today. And uh, I want to give honor to Elder and Sister Camarina and uh, Pastor Camarina and First Lady. What a beautiful family. And truly, I believe not only is this church blessed, but this city is blessed because of these fine people of God answering the call of God on their lives. And, uh, what a beautiful presentation. It is uh, Maisha. What a beautiful presentation. And representation of uh, Haven of Peace. What a wonderful wonderful ministry and uh, that is needed everywhere. I only wish that uh, we had something like this in Fairfield. Amen. 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 Um, if you have your Bibles, could you go with me to the book of Matthew? Let's read from the book of Matthew. And um, also we'll read from the book of Psalm chapter 34. But Matthew chapter number 15. Beginning with verse number 22. If you're there, say amen. Amen. If you need another minute, say, give me just a minute, preacher. Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Um, that's a very warm welcome there. <laughs> and she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Amen. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Psalm 34. And verse number 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What does that mean? That means that one can only 
contain the praise of God inwardly, but for so long, until eventually it is going to bubble over and explode out of oneself. And typically the first place this happens is thy mouth. One may say, well, I just praise God inwardly in my heart. Well, you can only get that fire burning on the inside so long until eventually one will open their mouth and that praise will go forth. Amen. Passion will go forth. Amen. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Verse number two, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. When one begins to worship God, you begin to boast in that worship. That's why a Pentecostal church can get a little crazy. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Amen. We are in the Pentecostal church this morning. Verse number three. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I want to magnify God in this place. Yes. Amen. That's a good question. How does one magnify the God that created the entire universe and holds all of time and space within His hand? How do you make that God bigger? Right. Because to magnify something, you a magnifying glass, you make it bigger. Bigger. Right. How do you do this when it's unfathomable how big He is? Right. But when you begin to magnify Him, He becomes bigger in you. And when He gets bigger in you, others, they don't just see you. But they see the one that is exploding out of you. So therefore, let's magnify the Lord in this place. Oh, magnify the Lord in this place. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were like Him. And their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Can anyone relate with that? I was a poor man and I was in desperate need and I cried unto God and he heard me. Oh, I'm thankful that there is a God that will hear the cry of the poor. Amen. I said, I'm thankful that there is a God that will hear the cry of the poor and save him out of his or her troubles. Verse number seven, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth him. The Proverbs declare that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And also... The psalmist here declares that there are angels that surround them that fear the Lord. Right. 
No doubt there are angels in this place. Amen. And because there is a church in this city that is preaching the truth and standing for righteousness and, and drawing apart from the world. Come out from among them and be separate, the Lord, and touch them Amen. 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 And I will receive you. That's what holiness is. Amen. 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 And because of that, there are angels in this place. Amen. There's proper worship in this place. There is liberty in this house. One, one can feel and experience the power of God in this place. Amen. This isn't a place that you could just come and learn about God. No, this is a place that one can come and experience the Almighty yes. Yes. God. Yes. Amen. And verse number 8, and this is where I want to take my text from. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to preach um, this morning. My title being Taste and See. Taste and see. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for all. We worship your holy name. We're asking you, God. Would you lift your voice in this place of every listener, every hearer. We adore you today, God. We're asking you to anoint our hearts and minds. Lord, that you would become receptive to your anointing that destroys. God, let the anointing God, by asking an age-old question. A question that no doubt most individuals in this room have asked themselves and pondered sometime in their life. And that is, why am I here? Why are we here? Why are you here? And then we could probably go even more broad than that with the question. And we could ask, why is humanity here? Why did God create all of us to begin with? One may declare, well, we are here to worship God. But why? Or one may say, we are here to express the glory of God. All of these are true. But why? 
Why are we here? Upon closer inspection in the book of Genesis, chapter number 1 and 2, one can quickly discover that when God prepared to make humanity, male and female, He said, let me make, or let us make man in our image, after our likeness. So therefore, when God prepared to create humanity, He created humanity in His image and in His likeness. To look like Him and to be like Him. Which lets me know or gives us a particular clue, I believe, as to why God created us all to begin with. Um, another clue I believe one can discover in Genesis chapter 2, and I believe verse 18, God looks at man. And this is the first instance that we have in Scripture where God begins to relate with humanity or mankind. And the first thing that God began to relate with humanity on was this simple question or this simple statement that God said when He looked at man. It is not good that the man should be alone or by himself. It is not a good thing that man would be alone. Now, think about this with me for a moment. In order to relate with someone on a particular issue, and this is what I see God doing with humanity, or man, or Adam, it's not good that he be alone, or by himself. No one in their right mind wants to be alone. Oh, we have periods of time that we'd like to be alone. But that's only a period of time. No one wants to be alone in their right mind. Why? Because we were created for fellowship. That's right. We draw strength from one another. We have fulfillment in relationship. And the stronger the relationship, the stronger the bond and the more fulfillment one can have. And God looks at man and says, it's not good that he be alone or by himself. And how is God able to relate with man on this issue? Normally, in order to relate with someone on a particular issue, you have to have first been there yourself. Right. Yeah. A good example it is uh, difficult to relate with someone that has lost a loved one that is very dear to themselves unless they have first been there themselves. Right. But the moment you've been there yourself, immediately you know how to relate with the other person. Are you with me? Amen. So Amen. And I see God looking at man and say it's not good that he be alone because God knew what it was like to be alone. And for that reason, 
I believe God created humanity. Yes. We were created to be the friend of God. Yes. Therefore, God created us to be in His image and His likeness. Amen. Because compatibility is built upon likeness. Right. Yeah. I have been married to my wife for 20 years. And I can easily declare that she is my best friend. And over these 20 years, I have made changes. And I have become more like her. <laughs> and at the same time, she has made changes. And unfortunately, she's become more like me. <laughs> but there's a likeness. There's a compatibility. She knows what I'm thinking many times. A lot of times she knows what I want better than I know what I want. What do you want to eat? Oh, you know. <laughs> and she always does. We're like one another. That's companionship, that's fellowship, that's friendship. And for that reason, God created us. And for the same reason, God put a tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden. And He said, do not eat it. Why did He put that tree there and say do not eat it? Because He gave us a choice. But why did He give us a choice? Why did He give us free will? Because it was the only way He could have a friend or a companion. If I were to take a gun and hold it to my wife's head and ask her a question that is very important, whether someone has a gun to your head, any question is an important question. And I ask her, do you love me? And she would reply and say, oh, I love you so much. You the man. Because <laughs> she's a very smart lady. But I would be leaving her, no, that's not companionship. That's right. However, if I take her by the hand, all relationship is reciprocation. It's give and it's take. If any relationship is one-sided, that's not relationship. If you're doing all the giving and there's no reciprocation, that's not relationship. That's a dead end. Or if you're doing all of the taking, that's selfish. That's not relationship. And so one is just in love with themselves and incapable of loving another. And the only way they can love another is until they're willing to humble themselves before the presence of God and say, God, I don't want me or my way any longer. And there one can find the, 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 the key in being able to love others. You find it in first loving God. Because why? That is the reason that we exist. Relationship. If I were to take my wife by the hand and declare my love to her and then ask her in return as I hold her hand if she loves me. And she replies in how much she loves me. Oh, I love you so much. You really are the man. 
<laughs> well, in my mind, she might say that. <laughs> anyway, when one is doing that, I am loving her not because she is forcing me. And she is loving me not because I am forcing her. That is companionship. And that is exactly what God was looking for when He created humanity. And that is the very reason that He gave us a choice. That He put the tree there and said do not eat it. Even knowing what humanity was going to do with that choice. It was the only way that God could have true companionship or friendship. We were not created to be a robot or a puppet That's on a right. string. No, we were given a choice. And therefore, God is not going to make you to love Him. He is not going to make you to live righteous. He is not going to make you or force you to be holy or to worship Him. It is a choice. Right. One has a choice to either be like God or unlike God. The choice is ours. We have a choice because it's the only way God can have a friend. It's the only way that there can be true companionship or friendship is with that choice. And so therefore that begins to answer some questions. I get asked this question a lot. If God is such a loving God, why is there so much evil in the world? Because God wanted a friend and a companion. And one could say, knowing all of the evil, he must have been really selfish to still create, knowing what was going to happen, and all of the pain and the suffering. But then that would go against the nature of God, because at His very essence and core, He is love. That's right. God is love. And love cannot keep to itself. Love has to come out from itself and express to another and so therefore, God had to create because He is love and love cannot keep to itself. And it's the only way He can have a friend. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because God needed a friend. And sad to say that He's created a being and those beings make a choice to be unlike Him. But we do have a choice that we can become like God. And that's what I'm preaching today. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that will put his trust in Him. And we know by the word of God that humanity made the choice. And they ate of the tree whereof God commanded them that they should not eat of. And they... They immediately knew that they were naked, the scripture declares. And they ran and they hid themselves in the garden from the presence of God. And sin entered into the lives of humanity for the first time. And at that very moment, they died a spiritual death and they were separated from the presence of God. Humanity was created to be one with God. The human spirit and the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, as we would say in the Old English. Uh, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit was created to be one with the human spirit. 
However, because of sin and disobedience, it was rent apart. And now man or humanity is running and hiding from God in the trees. He is in darkness. He has been blinded from the image that He was created to be in. And so therefore, man is driven by his own lust and passion. Humanity is driven by their appetites. And if you listen to the flesh, or the carnality, this is the flesh, and, and this, this flesh, if you don't wash it, it's going to stink. Right. Yeah. And if you do not deal with it spiritually, it's going to stink. That's right. yeah. The Apostle Paul said the works of the flesh are going to come forth. Anger. Lying. Rage. Ungodliness. Lasciviousness. Yeah. And the list goes off. Yeah. And uncleanness. That's going to go forth if you do not deal with this flesh. Right. This flesh, you know, its very substance is nothing more than dust. Right. Humanity was created from the dust of the ground and God breathed into His nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. However, that breath was rent from man when sin came into his life. Yeah. And because of, because of sin, judgment came. And God cursed the very substance that man was created from. He cursed the dust of the ground. And He said, no longer are the good things going to grow from the dust of the ground. But thorns and thistles and weeds and briars are going to grow. If you leave a field alone, you're not going to grow a harvest. You won't be able to eat from that field. Now, if anything good is going to come from it, you're going to have to work it. Yeah. You're going to have to deal with that dirt. Yeah. You're going to break up that dirt. Yeah. And it's in that brokenness, in the brokenness of that dirt, that seeds can be planted and good things can come Amen. forth and grow. Amen. If you leave the dirt of this flesh alone, nothing good is going to come from it. But in brokenness, yeah. in humility, yeah. in surrendering oneself you, before the presence of God, through repentance. That's why repentance is so powerful. It's a change of mind and a change of heart. It's saying, I have lived a life of sin. I've made a choice to lie, to cheat, to fornicate, to commit adultery, to, to addiction. I have made a choice to these things. But I don't want these things anymore. Now, I know that I cannot overcome them in my flesh. But if I can be broken in my flesh, I can receive the spirit and power of the Holy Ghost that strengthens me. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The scripture declares. And that is strength. And it's in that brokenness that the Spirit of God can be received and released in one's life. And you have power over, over the, the curse of the ground and the curse of the flesh. And now instead of the works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit can begin to flow from one's life. Oh, but you have to deal with it. You're going to have to deal with it in prayer. You're going to have to contend with the flesh so that the Spirit can be released in one's life. And that is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. 
So, if one is going to bear the fruit of the Spirit, they first have to receive the Spirit. That's right. Yeah. Are y'all with me? Amen. Because the Spirit was rent from humanity. Right. That's one reason why I believe they realized they were naked. Immediately. Because personally, I believe they were clothed with the glory of God. Amen. Yeah. And when sin came into their life, they ceased to be what they were created to be, the friend of God. They ceased to be like God because of sin. Oh, the devil lied to them. Right. The serpent said to Eve, you're going to be more like God, knowing good and evil. But he's a liar. That's right. He's the father of lies. Yes. And whenever one is not familiar enough with the truth, they will fall for a lie every time. This is why the Word of God is so very important. We need the plow of prayer and the Word of God to see deep within this flesh and break it up so that we can walk in the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit because that is what we are called to do and to be. That we would bear God's fruit and love others and help others and strengthen others and express the glory of God. That's why this church is here. That's what that's what um, 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 haven, haven of peace is for. Bearing the fruit of God. Right. And helping others. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? So it is by the disobedience of humanity that man fell into sin. He was separated from the Spirit of God. Therefore, he was left empty and void on the inside of the very thing that he was created for. And that emptiness and that void, humanity being in darkness now, being blinded, being blinded from the image that they were created to be in. Now being driven by lust and passion and fleshly carnal desires, the animal instinct. Humanity void of the Spirit of God, driven by His flesh, is is going to be driven by the appetites of the flesh. Right. And therefore, you can look around you and in society and you can see the effects of humanity being driven by appetite of the flesh. And it is a detriment to relationship. It is a detriment to the family structure. It is a detriment to society. But however, if we can get hold of the Spirit in the presence of the Almighty God, it is revolutionary. It is a rejoining. It is the light shining in. I once was blind, but now I see. Amen. I I once was lost, but now I am found. I was encapsulated in darkness, but the light, it it began to shine unto me. And my my spirit was illuminated. My soul was illuminated by the the revelation that came forth to me. That's why the Word of God is so powerful. It is revelation. It is the revelation of the truth. It will shine light into your spirit, into your being. And it will change you. The gospel is powerful. The gospel is true. And the gospel still works today. Because it still changes lives. Yes. Oh, 
the gospel will disrupt all of the carnal constructs that we were born into and born with and raised with. Right, come on. We can, you know, it's amazing how much one can carry on the dysfunction of the first 17 years of their life. Now I know there are some here that may have had a great first 17 years of their life. But then there are others of us that we know what dysfunction is. Right. By the time my father was 50, he had been married seven times. And when my mother got into the church, she had been married four times. As a child, I thought it was a race. It was a lot of dysfunction and addiction and darkness and ungodliness. And by the time I was of the age of 19 years, I was sick of sin. I was empty on the inside. And that's exactly what I see humanity doing today. They're sick. They're sick of sin. They're sick of the void. We're sick of sin. We're sick of the void on the inside. You know, that's what you can look around and you can see. They may obtain wealth, fortune, and fame, but there's still an emptiness on the inside. They may they may seek after hobbies and toys and trinkets, trying to fill time and space with all of this, but there's still an emptiness on the inside. Even this morning, they may pack out the sports arenas, but they're going to leave with a void on the inside. It's not going to be filled. Last night, the nightclubs, they may have been filled, but those people left unfulfilled. Why? Because there's only one thing that can fill the void on the inside. We were created to be the friend of God. We were created to possess the spirit of the Almighty God. And nothing can change it. That's why we are here in a society that are addicted to entertainment. Why are they addicted to entertainment? They're running to Hollywood. And they're running to this. And they're running to that. And they're addicted to the music industry. They're doing nothing more than instilling ungodliness into a younger generation. And altering their lifestyle. And the and altering the way they look at the opposite sex. Right. Come on. Right. And it's dysfunctional. That's right, man. And it's ungodly and it's right. dark. And it's the spirit of Antichrist. Amen. Right. Amen. And we're living in a day and age where someone has to take a stand and preach against it and say it's not good for your soul. It's poison for your brain. It's poison for your heart. It's not good for your family. It's not going to lead you in the right direction. Down the wrong trail. That's the truth. 
And he only leaves you more empty and void right. on the inside. That's right. And there's only one thing that can fill that void on Thank the inside. Jesus. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's the Spirit of God. And one is joined unto the Lord. The Scripture declares they become one Spirit. It is the power of the Holy Ghost. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh, this world, it cannot give it to me. But this world, it cannot take it away. I'm talking about the world that is to come. That's what I'm preaching about right now. It's the good news. And we can grab hold of the world that is to come. And we can bring it into this present world where we are right now. And it can revolutionize and change your life. It's the spirit of God. It's the spirit of victory. It's the spirit of life. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's not disperse, but let's do our own thing. Yeah. 
Right. Let's build a tower that may reach unto heaven. That way when the flood comes and God's judgment comes again, we will escape God's judgment. We don't need God. We can get to heaven on our own. Come on. And that's the spirit of the Antichrist. It's the spirit of the world. It's demonic. It would declare such. That's right. God is calling us that we will be obedient to His Word. Amen. But He's not going to force us to be obedient. That's right. It's a choice that we each have to make. I don't want to be void on the inside the very thing that I was created to be. This is what happens when one gets into the presence of God. God will reveal to you who you are. When you get into God's presence, He will begin to reveal to you who yes. you are. That's right. That's right. He'll show you. Yes. He'll, you see, what's your name? Marcel. Marcel. How old are you, Marcel? Fifteen. Fifteen. Fine looking man. Fifteen years old. However, have you ever seen Marcel? And so have we all. And, but however, none of us, including Marcel, was created to sin. That's right. We were created to be the friend of God. We were created to be in His image. That's right. And so there from the very foundation of the world, there is an image. Of Marcel, it is perfect. Not from the time of your birth. The scripture declares from the foundation of the world, he saw you. Before he even created the world, he saw you. And there was a perfect image. And that image was in his own likeness. And when you get into the presence of God, God will show you who you are. That's revelation. Because the light begins to shine and the darkness is pushed back. And you begin to see who you are. Now this is what happens though. You have people going on journeys trying to find themselves. Right. That's right. Trying to fill the void. Yeah. Talk about it. But you're never going to find yourself until you first seek out the source of your existence. Right. Oh, come on. But it's all because it's only in Him that you can discover who you are because you were created in His image. Right. Right. Yeah. You weren't created to lie. You weren't created to fornicate or commit adultery. You weren't created to be addicted. But you were created to be the friend of God yeah, and be filled with the Spirit of God. However, when you get into the presence of God and the light begins to shine, especially when one has been in darkness and who they are is revealed to them. You know, when I go to prayer, I have been, I have been preaching the gospel for uh, over 20 years. And still, when I go to prayer for the Camarina, God reveals things to me about me which causes me not to like me. Because when I see what He shows me, the image that I was created to be in, and I compare it to where I am existentially, I don't like what I see. Come on. And that's tension. And none of us 
can do away with that tension. Because to do away with that tension is to do away with one's existence altogether. If the tension is lost, being is lost. One can run from the tension, but if you're running from it, if you're running from that image that you were created to be in, you're only getting further from what you were created to be in. And there are some people that they get so far, you've heard it said, I just don't know if they can make it back. They're just too far gone. However, in humility, in surrender, in repentance, one can draw nearer. You can run from who you are, or you can embrace it. And you can make it your life's purpose. I want to run to what I was created to be. I want to become. I heard, I heard Pastor Camarilla say that. We're here to become. Yes. That's what we're becoming. We're becoming the image that God created us to be in. That's why we're here. And we can do it together. We can draw strength one from another together. We can become. We can become what God created us to be. And not only that, we can express it to others. We can help others get there. And so these people at Babel, they made a choice. Thank you, Lord. We're going to run from what we were created to be. And there God confounded their languages. And they were dispersed. However, I think it's interesting that on the day of Pentecost, the languages weren't confounded. They were brought back together again. Come on. I'll talk about that more in just a moment. Yes. Are you are you with me? How long do I have? How long? When did I get up here? What time did I get up here? Ten forty-five. Ten forty-five. Oh, I should say, Lord, I've been preaching a long time. <laughs> I was about to say, let's all stand in a hurry. <laughs> I'll have to come back and finish this. 10.45. Amen. Oh, I see. 46 minutes. He put, the, he put the recorder on me up here. Plus, I can see my time. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. This... This Canaanite woman, a Seraphonician, she was brought to the Lord. And she began to cry. This was a woman that was desperate. She needed a miracle. She had demonic powers. Working against her. Working against her home. Vexing her children. And she needed a miracle. And she was desperate for deliverance. And she had no hope and no choice. But she heard about Jesus. And she comes to Him. And she says, if I can just get His attention. Jesus. Jesus. No, it says that she cried after Him. So much so that the disciples said, Lord, make her go away. We 
but she would not go away. Because when you get desperate for God, uh, come on. When you get desperate for what I'm talking about, come on. Nothing's going to make you go away. Come on. Come on. No. There's a desperation. Yeah. You can kick me. Yeah. You can talk about me. Yeah. You right. can hurt my feelings. Come on. I don't care. I'm desperate for God. Yes, I need a miracle. Yes, I need to yes. yes. I need to do what I was created to do. I need the blessings of the Lord. I need the blessings of the Lord. She just kept worshiping. She just kept magnifying the Lord and praising Him. Jesus, the Son of David, have mercy on me. I'm not going away. I'm not leaving. I came for a miracle. And I'm determined. I'm leaving without my miracle. I'm leaving without my breakthrough. I believe I'm preaching to somebody in this place right now. You've come for a miracle. You've come for a breakthrough. audience with Jesus. And what did he say to her? He said, I am only come to the house of Israel. Basically, he's declaring it's not time yet. It's not time that this, that this good news be preached to the Gentiles. That's, right. That's what she was. Right. She wasn't Jewish. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. That's right. And, and with the faith and the humility and the brokenness. You see, in pride and arrogance, they would have walked away without their miracle or their blessing. That's right. That's what Cain did. Cain slew his brother after God pled with him to do right. And then he made a choice to leave the presence of God. He refused to humble himself before God. Hey, a person that will not humble themselves before God is a dangerous person to be around. That's right. That's a person that I'd advise you, you better watch out. You better be careful. That's good preaching. But here's a woman that's willing to humble herself. Because Jesus says to her, I can't take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Well, that, that just did it right there. Most of us would leave the church over that. <laughs> Can you believe what that preacher called me? Uh-uh. <laughs> you got another thing coming. <laughs> Find me another church. <laughs> now you may not want Jesus to be your pastor. <laughs> oh, but the wisdom of God and the humility of this desperate woman says, Oh, you said right. I'm nothing more than dog. Because I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. However, Jesus, 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 Jesus. the dogs 
I know the preacher down the street may try and tell you that God doesn't heal anymore. Supernaturally. But you've come too late to tell this. Come on. Because I've experienced the supernatural healing power of God time and time again. Not only in others, but in my own body I've experienced it. And so you've come too late to tell me that God does not do that anymore because the taste is to experience. And you cannot argue with experience. You've come too late to tell this preacher that God does not pour out His Spirit and it's, it's evidenced by speaking in another language one that you've never learned. You've come too late to tell me that because I have preached right. I'll never forget the first time I came to the Pentecostal church. I was 19 years old. I was addicted. I was a wreck. I was messed up. My, um, my stepfather here, and uh, I know he doesn't look old enough to be my stepfather. Uh, my mother robbed the cradle for me. Plus, <laughs> <laughs> my mother's only... I was, uh, she was a two weeks past her 18th birthday when I was born. And so, and she robbed the cradle. <laughs> however, however, they owned and operated a bar in Birmingham, Alabama. When I was 19 years old, we all came to the church. And we were a wreck. We were a wreck. The first time I came into the Pentecostal church, they began to sing this song. When the Spirit of the Lord comes into my heart, like David, I will dance, I will dance. And I looked up and these people were just... <laughs> and they were saying, I will jump, I will jump. And I looked across the congregation and they were going, boing. <laughs> Everyone was <laughs> and I thought exactly what y'all thought. These folks are crazy. <laughs> These folks are absolutely crazy. Oh yeah. But I came back a second time. <laughs> Someone came by and tapped me on the shoulder and said, Would you like to go to the prayer room and pray with me? Because I got there a little early. <laughs> and I said, sure, I'll go pray. I pray all the time. Lord, please don't let this man take me to jail. <laughs> sometimes God answered that prayer, sometimes he didn't. <laughs> However, I stepped into that prayer and when I did, people were praying and they were loud. And it was, it, it was unlike anything I'd ever been in before. But when I stepped in that prayer room, the people of God were praying. These Pentecostals from way out in the country. They were praying. How did God hit me on the top of my head? And I said, this. Is what I've been looking for. Yes. All of my yeah. And I knelt down right there as a 19 year old young man. I didn't know how to pray. And I said this I said, God, I don't want sin anymore. 
I'm tired of living the way I've been living. I'm sick of it. Will you help me? If you'll let me, I have been crazy for the devil. If you'll let me, I would like to be crazy for you. They asked me to stand and I stood and I lifted my hands and they, they, they said to me, oh, begin praising God out loud. So I started saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And every time I say it, I feel the power of God strong. Hallelujah. And the next thing I know, I'm, I have my hands lifted and I'm crying and I'm shouting, Hallelujah, And I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care that people are looking at me. It felt like I had a million hands on me. And I didn't even care because here I was surrendered in the presence of God. You see, some people come to the altar and say, I'll come to that altar, but I don't want anybody touching me. Well, that's fine. That just means you're not quite ready to completely surrender. Because when you're ready to completely surrender, you don't care. That's well, right. you don't understand the abuse that I've been through. You even have to surrender the abuse That's right. in the presence of God. That's right. Oh, I speak from experience. And I started praising God in a matter of a few moments. I began speaking in another language. One that I've never learned. Not knowing anything about the Bible. I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God filled my being. And I knew it. I didn't know the scriptures. Thank you, Lord. And it wasn't but a few moments later that uh, Brother Ash, my stepfather, he received the Holy Ghost at the same time. Praise wow. God. Praise God. And our lives are completely, radically changed. God proved himself real to me that day. And I believe God wants to prove himself real. To someone in this place. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse number 1. I'm closing. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. The day of Pentecost was a Jewish holiday. Pentecost from, comes from the Greek. It means 50. In the Hebrew, it was uh, the Feast of Weeks. And they were all in one accord in one place. This is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, after His ascension into heaven. They were waiting for the promise because Jesus told them before He ascended, go and wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You see, you have to understand, I think this is peculiar. Because John the Baptist came and he prepared the way for Jesus. He was the forerunner of Jesus. That's what his ministry was. It was a six-month ministry to prepare the world for the Messiah. And he preached this. I baptize you with water and repentance, but there's coming one after me that's mightier than myself. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That's right. Yeah. Okay, Jesus is coming, and we're going to get the Holy Ghost. 
we're going to get the Holy Spirit. The old English is Holy Ghost, but it's the Holy Spirit. Some people will be saying, I don't want nothing to do with no ghost. <laughs> it's the Spirit. Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Almighty God. Right. Amen? Amen. Right. Amen? And so, Jesus comes. And now He says, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you comfortless. I'm going to send the promise of the Father unto you, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive it. And this is what happens here. I think it's interesting that people can go to church all of their life and never even hear about the Holy Ghost. Much less see or experience someone receiving it. Right. Amen. But it is Scripture. Yes, it is. And we can't ignore it. And it is the very reason that Jesus came. Amen. And I think it, they, there are demonic powers that are trying to blind people from the truth. Yes. Amen. Why? Because when you receive the truth, the truth will make you free. That's right. Amen. Amen. Yes, it will. That's true. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, or different languages, like as a fire spread like a fire, and sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Then the Apostle Peter stands and he begins to preach the first gospel message on the first day of the church. This is the birthday of the church, the day of Pentecost. Yes, right. And he preaches this message, and he declares unto them the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Messiah came, and you crucified him. And when they heard this gospel, the scripture says that they were pricked in their hearts, but they were convicted of their sins. And they confessed, and they said, What do we need to do? That was uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, that I just declared to you. They were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what do we need to do? This is the first sermon on the first day of the church preached to thousands of people. Right. And they said, what do we need to do? And the first pope, Peter, was the first pope. And he um, declared to them, bow your heads and repeat this prayer after me. No. <laughs> That's not what he said. That's nothing more than a tradition. That's right. The sinner's prayer where bow your head and repeat this prayer after me. I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. You're saved. How do you feel? You won't find that in the Scripture. That's right. It's a tradition. So true. You'll never find any of the apostles asking anybody to repeat that prayer or leading anyone to salvation in that way. It's, it's a tradition that has only come into fruition in the past 200 years if you begin to study church history. truth. However, on the first day of the church, Peter gave them a clear answer. He said, repent. Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Amen.
What is the Holy Ghost? It's the Spirit of Christ. Look at Romans chapter number 8. And I am closing. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God or it's hostility against God. That's that flesh that I'm talking about. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Meaning it cannot submit to God's word. The flesh can't. I don't trust my flesh. And no one should trust their flesh. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So how do you get beyond the flesh or beyond darkness or beyond being driven by the appetites of the flesh? Verse number 9. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, same Spirit, there's only one Spirit. Ephesians 4 to 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one Spirit. Amen. Who is in all and above all. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Could we all stand? All over this house, could we lift our hands? Why do we lift our hands? We're lifting our hands saying, Here I am, Lord. I surrender. I Lord. I worship your name. I surrender myself to you, God. I surrender That's what the cops say to the robbers. Come out with your hands up. That means you surrender. And that's why we lift holy hands to God, because we surrender in His presence. Lord, I don't want sin in my life. I do not want sin in my life. I want to be what I was created to be. I want to be what I was created to be. Jesus. All over this house right now, every every head bowed, all eyes closed, every head bowed, all eyes closed. If you're in this place and you would like to receive the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit that I'm speaking of, you're not sure if you've received it. There's one surety that we have in the Scripture. That you know that you received it because there's a sign that follows. Yes. You will speak in another language supernaturally. And then there's no question whether or not you have received it. If, if you would like to receive the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in the tongues, I want you just to lift your hand. Here I am. I want it. I want it. I want it. Amen. Hands up all over the house. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Jes
This is what I'd like to do. This may be a little bit different, but I, I, I'm going to ask that you give, give us the front row here. If, and, and, and right now, if, if you lifted your hands, and this is this is a humbling of oneself and it is a surrender, but God is going to visit you in a very supernatural way if you act on it. If you're willing to step out and come to this front row and sit down, I believe God is going to feel you in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's it. That's it. Come on up here. Come on up here. And find a seat. If you run out of seats, we'll sit on the second row. Hallelujah, Jesus. I believe God is here. Very powerful. Amen. Amen. Now all over this house. We lift our hands and we begin to magnify God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Do I have anyone that will come and begin to pray with those that have come forward? Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. My God, I love you and I praise you. My God, I love you and I praise you.
Thank you.